you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Being a Polish descent, yes, Kwasny is a Polish name, I have had the opportunity to attend a few Polish weddings as a youngster. One of the more interesting traditions that occurs toward the end of the Polish wedding reception is the money dance, also known as the apron dance. Here's a description of it from a Polish traditions informational website. All the guests at the reception line up for a last chance to dance with the bride and to donate money to the newlywed couple. The money is placed by each guest into an apron, which is held by the bride's father before dancing with the bride. After the final guest completes his dance with the bride, the groom takes his turn. Then he throws his wallet into the apron, takes his bride and the apron, and they leave together to start their new life. In the version of the dance I witnessed, the family members and friends pinned the cash on the bride's wedding dress rather than depositing it into an apron. Either way, the symbolism is striking. Family and friends supporting the establishment of a new family, followed by the husband showing his responsibility to ultimately provide, literally throwing his wallet in. Of course, this is more than mere symbolism and sentiment. Real money is being given away. Now, you may have not given your children a traditional money dance at their wedding reception, but they probably had a bridal shower or a series of showers and celebrations that accomplished a similar purpose. Even most modern people recognize the need to help their newlyweds start a life together in a good place financially. Some couples are given a significant amount of gifts and money, and even support from parents and family members, while others get smaller tokens of love and blessing. Whatever your child's gift acquisition amounted to, great or small, it probably did not come with strings attached. Out of the goodness of their hearts, or even a sense of obligation, this form of gift-giving is extremely helpful and appropriate. But what about after the wedding? As parents of married adult children, how have you approached the subject of gifts, money, and potential financial support? In relationship to their primary responsibilities of leaving you behind and cleaving to a spouse, it is essential for you to handle money and gifts well for the ongoing health of their marriage and their family. So this is our topic today, the handling of money and gifts between parents and adult married children. In our first episode of Season 8, we discuss how one of the essential aspects of your married children leaving you when they get married is separating from you in practical and material ways. In typical cases, your children leave their family home and are no longer financially dependent on you. They move into their own homes and begin their own family. Husband and wife work together as a team to be good stewards of their own money. 
with husband responsible to act as lead provider. 1 Timothy 5.8 Instead of continuing to count on you to work and make money so that they are provided with the material goods needed to survive, they are now supposed to be self-reliant, depending on God's provision. This sums up the natural course of your child's financial leaving and cleaving. So any questions about money, gifts, and financial need are to be answered in the context of the prime responsibility to leave parents in order to cleave to one another. Seen in that light, it may appear that all parents should just follow one basic principle. Don't offer your adult children money, financial help, or significant material gifts after marriage. Living by this very black and white regulation would make it clear to your children that they have to fully leave you and dutifully provide for their own family. If only our family life was that simple. While this tenet may give you a good starting place for your thinking, it is most likely not the end point. It may be a clean and common sense way to handle the issues of money and gifts, but it cannot be held as a biblical command. Even though God's Word does teach that a husband is responsible to provide for his own family, there are no prohibitions against parents giving or loaning their adult children money. Therefore, it is unhelpful and incorrect to make blanket statements about what can be given or not given from a parent to an adult married child. Instead of a hard and fast financial wall between you and your adult children, wisdom will be required on a case-by-case basis. The fundamental question to ask in each situation is, would this money, would this financial help or material gift keep my adult child from properly leaving me and cleaving to his or her spouse? Now, if you really want to offer the gift or money bad enough, it may be tempting to give little thought to this question or even ignore it altogether. This may be especially true when your children are experiencing a financial crisis that demands a quick resolution. But as parents, it is extremely important that you remember to honor your adult child's responsibility to leave you behind so they will not put any unnecessary strain on their one flesh cleaving. You must use wisdom when dealing with all money and gift issues in order to maintain a healthy adult-to-adult relationship with your adult children. Like many of the idioms that have been passed down through the generations, it is challenging to discover the origin of the phrase, no strings attached. Some etymologists point to an 18th century practice of fabric merchants who had attached strings to bolts of fabric where flaws were present. Customers would ask for fabric with no strings attached in order to get flawless material. Another origin story that fits our topic better has to do with finding money on the street. When an individual attempts to pick it up, there's a string attached to the bill that would be pulled by another person to steal his money. In the historic time when this trick became popular, salesmen began using the phrase, no strings attached, to indicate that they were not going to trick you and take your money. Whatever actually gave birth to this phrase, its meaning is very clear. When it comes to being given money, gifts, or financial help, no one really wants strings attached. 
It is probably fairly unlikely that you would tell your adult children something like this. I will help you pay off some of your credit card debt, but there will be strings attached. Now, you may tell them that you expect them to pay you back. That is not really an attached string, but simply the declaration that the transaction is really just a loan. So what are some strings that parents may attach to a gift or to financial help? It could be that parents would expect their adult children to honor every future request they ever make. Or maybe some parents would want their gift recipients to visit them more, allowing them to see their grandchildren more often. Or more subtly, they might want their adult children to always be beholden to them, even if they don't actually say it. You may never verbalize these or other attached strings, or only when your adult children are not following through with your expectations. Unfortunately, some parents may be extremely manipulative with money and gifts, while others are more forthright with what they desire in return. So the question is, will you give your adult children money, gifts, or financial help with manipulative strings attached? Again, common sense gives the easy answer. No way. What loving parents would use money or gifts in order to treat an adult child like a puppet, responding to their every whim? Yet the reality is you may not realize that you have attached strings to the gifts or loans to your adult children. Or you may even believe that you have the right to have the recipients of your gracious gifts respond in certain ways to show their gratitude. It certainly is tempting to have particular expectations, especially after giving essential financial help to your children. The key is to communicate well with your adult children giving them the complete idea of what is required of them when it comes to a financial loan or a gift. Now let's run through some financial need sort of scenarios. First scenario, is this a gift or a loan? The primary question in the background of most transactions between you and your adult children is, are they required to pay this money back at some point, or is it intended to be a gift that does not need repayment? If you choose to give a monetary gift to your children, they need to know that it's truly a gift with no strings attached. By definition, a gift is something offered willingly without any expectation of payment. It is not really a gift if you expect your children to act as though they owe you their life for this grand gesture. It is not really a gift if you want your children to feel guilt or shame for having the financial need that created the purpose for this gift. You should want them to enjoy the grace and goodness of God that has come by way of your gift. If you can't really afford it, don't give it. If there are strings attached, again, don't give it. Give as a reflection of how our great and loving God gives to His people. Now, some counselors advise that parents should only give gifts to adult children and never enter into a loan relationship with them. Following that advice would certainly seem to make things simpler. But what happens when you cannot afford to part permanently with the money that your adult child needs? Or you can afford the gift but would really like the money back at some point in the future. 
the benefits of a monetary loan agreement with your child are clear. You can offer no interest, typically, and possibly a lot longer time for them to repay you. But there are also potential risks involved, aren't there? What if they can't repay the loan, or at least not in a timely manner? What if you end up having to keep hounding them to pay the loan back? What if your children decide that they're not going to repay it, even though they initially agreed to the loan obligation? If the benefits outweigh the risk, the need is great, and you are willing, then a wisely transacted loan may just work. Clear communication of all the stipulations and requirements would be necessary from all parties involved. Well, there are also trickier situations that lie somewhere between a gift and a loan, a sort of financial purgatory, if you will. You may give your children the gift and later ask if they could pay back some portion of it, catching them off guard and ill-prepared. Or in a much more subtle and manipulative way, you may keep reminding them of the gift, treating it as if it was a burden for you to give it to them in the first place. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there are parents who refuse to take repayment for a loan even though they called it a loan at the outset. These and other scenarios will need more communication to navigate well. If you or your adult children change the terms from a gift to a loan, it may create resentment and bitterness between you. Okay, here's scenario number two, the one-time crisis. Francis and Glenn have been married for 20 years and have four children. They have never needed any financial help from their parents, even though their budget has always been pretty tight. After enjoying a week-long trip to visit Francis's family, they returned home to discover a water leak and black mold in their two bathrooms. A visit from the insurance adjuster brought them the reality that it was considered long-term deterioration, which is not covered by their homeowner's policy. Then the contractor let them know that the estimated cleanup and reconstruction would be about $50,000. Even if they wiped out their entire savings, they would need at least $25,000 more to be able to complete the restoration. Credit cards and a second mortgage are possibilities, but Glenn would like to avoid accruing even more debt. Glenn's father also doesn't want him to go into debt for this crisis, so he offers to help his son with a loan for the rest of the needed money. Well, cases like this one are typically the most straightforward. Francis and Glenn have proven they have left their parents financially, not having been dependent on them to this point in their married lives. If as a parent you are willing to give them a loan or even a gift, it would be very gracious. Communicate to your children that you will have no strings attached and want to be sure that this gift or loan would do no damage to their marriage. If it is a loan, lovingly ask for how and over what time frame they would plan to repay. What you don't want to happen is to actually enable your children to be negligent to deal with the crisis now that they have extra money. In other words, you should expect them to be good stewards of your money. Be careful not to cross the line into treating them like children or trying to control them. Yet when helping your adult children through a crisis, you actually want to solve the crisis. Scenario number three, chronic need. Herb and Iris have struggled financially during much of their 15-year marriage. 
Even though Herb makes a decent income, the couple seems to always spend about $350 more each month than they make. They have to dip into their savings pretty much every month and have significant credit card debt. Herb and Iris fight about money regularly, pointing fingers and blaming one another for their predicament. They have tried just about everything, including Iris working part-time, cutting out unnecessary expenses like cable television and dining out, as well as getting financial counseling. It just seems like every time they nearly get out of debt, some other major medical or home expense pops up. Iris has talked about the situation to her parents, and they have agreed to pay for some of their monthly expenses, including their granddaughter's piano lessons and their grandson's tutoring. Hank's parents have also given them significant gifts from time to time. As you can probably tell, we have moved from a relatively simple scenario to a much more complicated one. Couples who have chronic, regular financial struggles have arrived to that state for a variety of reasons. How much of Herb and Iris's problem is self-induced due to poor choices or extravagant living? Could Herb get a better paying job or work two or three jobs if necessary? Could Iris also go back to work full time in order to help out? If your adult children find themselves in a chronic financial situation like this one, these and other questions should be answered before you consider helping them in any way. The very definition of the word chronic demonstrates that you will probably help them out financially for quite some time. And most likely any financial help you can give will actually do very little to solve the real problem and may even make it worse. Even though you may be very sympathetic and heartbroken about your children's ongoing financial problems, you are probably not the ones who can give them the best form of help. In most cases, it will violate the principle of leaving and cleaving if you are, in essence, partly providing for your adult children's needs on a regular basis. Directing them to alternative options will be much better for the health of their marriage and even for long-term financial strength. While it may be tough to watch, even beneficial activities such as piano lessons and tutoring for your grandchildren may have to be sacrificed for a time. And then there's scenario number four, maintaining a standard of living. Jackie and Ken both come from middle to upper class homes. They met in college and married a month after graduation. Both of them have good jobs, but they are already struggling financially. Upon marriage, they moved into an apartment in what is considered a bad part of town and have lived there for about six months. Ken's parents have offered to give them money so they can put a substantial down payment on a house in a safer community. Jackie's parents want to give her money for a new SUV, since that would be a better vehicle for future grandchildren. Both sets of parents have also talked about wanting to pay for private school when the time comes, so that their grandchildren can be well-educated. Ken and Jackie already have an open invitation to Ken's family's beach house anytime they want it. There's always a temptation for newly married couples to want to live by the standards in which they were raised, right away. And, as in Ken and Jackie's case, there are also often corresponding parents who enjoy helping them get to that socioeconomic standard as soon as possible. 
In some ways, this can happen in any economic class, not just the rich and famous, since it is driven by a universal longing to avoid financial and material struggle if possible. If you find yourself wanting to help your children achieve and maintain a certain standard of living, why wouldn't they accept the help? Or maybe you feel some subtle or even overt pressure from your children to make things financially smoother for them. Either way, giving this sort of financial help only enables a defective leaving of parents. How much better is it for your adult children to struggle together as a couple, work hard, and save their money in order to have a nicer home and an upgraded vehicle? Living within their means is a wise approach to establishing their marriage not striving to be at their parents' or someone else's level right out of the gate. And as Christians, they may be called and convicted to maintain a somewhat lower standard of living so they can devote more time and more money into ministry and the work of God's kingdom. And how about this last scenario, extreme irresponsibility. Lacey and Mick have been married for 12 years and have two young daughters. Lacey is an elementary school teacher, and Mick is a management consultant. Mick has battled anxiety and depression for years, which has impacted his ability to keep a job for an extended period of time. His current job allows him a lot of flexibility and the opportunity to work from home. Unfortunately, Mick abuses this freedom by playing online video games and drinking too much during the day. Lacey has tried to keep Mick's drinking problem and mental and emotional problems quiet to save his reputation. Mick's dad knows some of the issues, but not to the full extent. When Mick tells his dad that he is out of work or is financially in need, he usually responds by giving him money or paying off some debt for him. Lacey's parents also help out financially from time to time because they see their daughter doing all the work to provide for the family. Clearly, Lacey and Mick need to receive biblical counseling for their marital problems, as well as Mick's individual struggles. There is certainly evidence of a high amount of irresponsibility that is causing or contributing to their financial need. Your adult children might tell you about their financial struggles without completely disclosing how their sinful behavior has put them in the current position. After all, who really wants their parents to know all their personal and marital problems? Unfortunately, this is manipulation by appealing to your sympathies. Many parents will respond to the financial need of their adult children if they believe their children may lose their home or are unable to put food on the table because they're unemployed. Yet again, is opening your wallet the best option in a case like that of Lacey and Mick? As a parent of adult children, your responsibility is to encourage them to deal with their problems in a mature way. They will act as irresponsible children to overprotective parents if you feel it is your duty to bail them out since they are too big to fail. In this sort of scenario, it is rarely wise to offer financial help to your children unless radical change is forthcoming. Even though I've been married for over 30 years, I still enjoy opening a birthday card from my parents and having cash or a personal check fall out. 
As a parent, you can certainly continue to give birthday and holiday gifts to your adult children and hopefully be a recipient as well. In moderation and on normal gift-giving occasions, giving monetary gifts to your adult children is a loving gesture for which they should be grateful. Even a more lavish gift once in a while, such as paying for a vacation or a piece of furniture for their home, will not necessarily cross the line or create other problems. But there are gifts from your hand that will complicate things in your adult child's marriage and family life, even if those gifts are given out of the goodness of your heart. Let's consider just a few more scenarios that you may need to solve wisely or avoid altogether. Scenario number one, overriding gifts. Nan and Oliver have been married for eight years and have three sons. Money has never really been a problem since Oliver makes a decent living and Nan works part-time from home. But they do have differences when it comes to family needs versus wants. Nan thinks their oldest son needs to go to camp every summer since she loved it as a girl. Oliver disagrees. Nan also believes they need a better car and new living room furniture. Oliver sees these things as excessive wants rather than needs. Nan is very close to her parents, and she regularly tells them her opposition to her husband's unilateral decisions. Even though she doesn't ask for money, her father tells her that he would love to pay for summer camp and for a new couch. Nan signs her son up for camp and has the new sofa delivered the next week. When questioned by Oliver, she defends her actions by simply telling him that her daddy paid for it all. It was a gift. So how do you think Oliver will respond to his decisions being ignored by his wife? Sure, it is easy to say that Oliver had it coming since he isn't being very loving and isn't leading his wife very well. But Nan has certainly made things more complicated by sharing her complaints with her parents, as well as using her father's money to get her own way. Oliver may not just feel disrespected, but also emasculated by Nan's actions. If you ever find yourself in this sort of situation as a parent, you must avoid undermining your child's marriage or a husband's leadership at all costs. The tricky part comes regarding how best to respond to your child without dishonoring his or her spouse in the process. Saying, I would love to pay for camp for my grandson, I just wish Oliver would lead better and allow it, may create more problems, even though technically true. It would be much better to say, it's more important for me as a parent for you and your husband to be unified in your decisions. You may still be tempted to resent your son-in-law, but it is the wise response to your adult children. Scenario number two, secret giving. Ever since Paul and Roberta were married, Roberta's mom started a habit of slipping her some cash every so often. She would tell Roberta, let's just keep this as our own little secret. Think of it as your mad money. Over time, the gifts increased in size to the point that Roberta opened up her own bank account without Paul's knowledge. Observing her daughter's marriage, Roberta's mom has come to the conclusion that Paul is not providing for her in the best way possible. But in Roberta's mind, this was all very innocent as well as loving of her mother. Unfortunately, Paul did not share Roberta's viewpoint when he discovered the hidden bank account. 
Even now, he still believes Roberta is preparing to divorce him and her parents are assisting her. What if, after the first wad of cash was slipped into her pocket, Roberta said to her mom, Thanks, Mom, but Paul and I are a team and we tell each other everything. We will need to agree on how we spend this nice gift. How, then, would this scenario have changed? Roberta's mom may have quickly decreased her secret gift-giving since the thrill was now gone. If Roberta actually shared every gift exchange with Paul, he may even become excited and thankful for it. Hopefully you get the point. What may start out innocently between you and your adult child can easily turn into a hidden habit. Whether you realize it or not, a parent who gives gifts in this way is really treating their adult child like a child as well as undermining their marriage. Keep away from giving secret gifts, even if you just enjoy doing nice things for your adult child. Give to the couple out in the open. Next scenario, gift imbalance. Wally comes from a family of gift givers. There was never a holiday or celebration, big or small, that didn't include very generous gifts. When Wally married Terry, he had the expectation that she would be sentimental about giving gifts as well, since he told her that this was his love language. Not only does Terry fail to give Wally enough good gifts, he is also frustrated that her parents are very stingy, at least in his mind. Most of the big gifts to the grandchildren come from Wally's side of the family. Wally's parents have also been consistent with giving money for special events. Terry defends her parents, saying that they show their love in other ways and just don't have the extra money to give away. Most of the time, this giving imbalance doesn't cause a problem if it just occurs around birthdays and holidays. Terry tends to treat Wally like he's just being childish. At one level, this is a petty gift problem. What does Wally expect Terry to do about it? Does she need to become a better gift giver? That may help. Should she talk to her parents and ask for better gift-giving practices on their part? Or maybe Wally's parents just need to dial it back a little bit to attempt to correct the imbalance. How would you respond if your adult child asked for more and better gifts? Probably not very well. So think for a moment about your own situation. Do you ever feel pressure to give gifts to your children to compete with what their in-laws are giving? Do you want to make sure that your children know that you are the more thoughtful and loving set of parents? Of course, parents should not view gift-giving as some sort of competition for the love and admiration of their adult children. But our weak human hearts can foolishly think we need to give gifts to keep our children happy with us. Focus simply on giving from a heart of love and gratitude for what God has given you. And then here's the last scenario. Spoiling gifts. Beth and Carl have established a much different lifestyle from either their parents. Driven by their own Christian convictions, they are careful not to allow their children to become spoiled by their possessions. They usually give their three little girls just one gift on birthdays and at Christmas. There have even been years that very practical gifts were given, like bed sheets and bath towels. But both sets of in-laws love to give their grandchildren lots of gifts, especially since they are the only ones at this point. 
Beth and Carl's Christmas tree is regularly surrounded by piles of presents thanks to the grandparents. When their children are at Beth's parents' house, they load them down with so many gifts that they can hardly fit them in the back of the minivan. Beth and Carl have recently decided to remove gifts from around the tree that come in the mail and give them to other children. This has not gone over very well with the grandparents. This couple doesn't know what else to do since neither set of parents will heed their petitions to simply cut the gifts down by 50%. Fortunately, Beth and Carl are in total agreement about their parents' gift-giving habits. They have determined how they want to manage their family and raise their children. This fact alone makes this problem scenario easier to solve than some of the previous ones. If either Beth or Carl actually thought the other spouse was being too strict or restrictive when it came to their children and their possessions, it would be much more complicated. So if you find yourself in a situation similar to this one, what should you do? Hopefully, your adult children could talk to you and share their parenting philosophy. If you want an adult-to-adult -an -adult relationship with them, you would have to honor their choices, even if you disagree. You certainly don't want your children hiding your gifts from your grandchildren or re-gifting them to some of their needy children. As difficult as it may be to miss out of some of the enjoyment of purchasing and giving great gifts to your grandchildren, the godly response is to love your children by respecting their decisions. Well, we could certainly talk about more money and gift situations, but hopefully walking through these give you some good biblical counseling principles to help yourself and other people. Money and gifts can be such a blessing in our families or, sadly, can become a curse that divides us. In the end, we either love and serve money or we love and serve Christ. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.